Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 63. Uh, plenty to get through again. Oh, it's all happening, isn't it? Uh, the old rivalry, Arsenal Man United, is still pretty gloomy, but uh, you know, some decent, some decent football in there. Some decent football. Not so good at the other end of the table, some shit football. There's a bunch of relegation games happening because there's so many crap teams. Uh, we got a bit of Copa del Rey to cover. We're gonna talk about some uh, some league wins across Europe. Boring farmers leagues have been wrapped up. Titles have been won. We'll cover it all. Tommy's on the other end of the line. Uh, how you doing, man? Great, Sam. Just excellent. Tremendous. I'm in the, uh, the pod cave. I'm locked down again till Saturday. And, um, it, you know, it, it's convenient for some, I think, especially the potential guest we were going to have on the show tonight. Finally, yes. the Man United fan that heeded our call. Yep. And, you know, it was a good weekend for him to come on, given that Arsenal played Man United. Uh, early kickoff, 9pm, no excuses. Yep. And here we are. Uh, positive test. Well, I'm sorry, potential guest. I'm not buying it. It all seems a little bit too coincidental for my liking. You think it's uh, is that there's a bin of ruse? I think we've been had. We've been definitely. had. The guest never intended to come on and talk about Man United. They just uh, no, not whatsoever. Fabrication. This this suspected individual did tell me they were they were taking notes on the on the game. Oh, I'm sure there were plenty of notes to be taken, um, <laughs> so that they could come on and and share their thoughts. And uh, yeah, well, where are you? Where are you? You can back it up. Oh, I got COVID. Bullshit. Scared. That's all I'm saying. You better show up next week. Should we uh, move on without them anyway and just talk about the game? Definitely, because we can give a much more balanced perspective on Arsenal's 3-1 victory. Oh, definitely. Um, Where do you want to start with this? Uh, What would you say? Controversy. 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 You want to go with the controversy route. Always, because you alluded to to it being like a a rivalry, a little bit doomy, gloomy rivalry. It It doesn't feel like a rivalry, and so I think... When we talk about controversy, any controversies from this game, a lot of them just seem concocted to me. They, they're not real. It's, they're kind of adding, trying to add that divisive element to the game that is now sorely lacking in this fixture. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's the way it seemed to come across on Optus Sport as well. Like the, they were going on about, after the game, they were going on about all the decisions that probably could, should have gone the other way or they could have blah, blah, blah. It's just, um, you know, going through with a, a fine-toothed comb trying to pick out little things here and there that we could disallow goals for and stuff like that. Um, I don't think I don't think they got any of the big decisions wrong. Do you? No. Nah, no, nah, I can't see that. And you know, there wasn't really the penalty, I suppose, because it comes um comes at one nil is potentially a you know a, a game deciding decision, but there's not a lot to be argued for or against the penalty being given. Like I, I think you see them given more often than not. Uh, you know, if it's not given, VAR probably doesn't overturn it. Um, you know, I speculated maybe because Enkedia sticks the ball in the net. You know, the referee's a little bit more swayed to give the penalty uh, on review, but you know, it probably was. It looks like a it looks like a foul, doesn't it? Yeah, it's straight through the back. It's pretty foolish. Dumb defending. Um, Just gets a little tight. Yeah. There's also the um, the Xhaka goal where 
and Ketty is in an offside position and you could say he's blocking the view of De Gea. But I don't, like I said, I don't want to be going through, not just saying it because it's Arsenal. I've said this every week. I don't want to be going through and trying to find any reason we can to disallow goals. You made you said to me before we started recording, just off air, if you will, that um, the game is becoming very American football or, you know, NRL. We're just looking for any excuse to go to the TV screens and have a look at it all. And then after the game, we'll have these big, long discussions about the refereeing decisions and things rather than the actual tactics and analysing the football that went on. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the Xhaka goal. It's a really good goal. And it's a goal by, you know, maybe the most divisive player on the pitch, the guy that we've questioned in the past. But in this performance, in this game, he did step up. And, you know, that goal is a good testament to his performance, I thought. Absolute humdinger, man. That was straight as an arrow. Yeah, excellent. Um, they showed like they showed this view of uh, where De Gea is looking, and there's kind of a direct. If you draw a direct line between De Gea and Jacker, there is. You've got De Gea, you've got Enkedia, and then you've got I think it's Lindelof is the main United defender there. Um, so and they're both kind of directly in line. So if Enkedia wasn't there. De Gea is going to be, his view is blocked by Lindelof anyway. Um, yeah, a, a big win for Arsenal. Uh, it's just, I guess, frustrating on the back of losing to Southampton, Brighton and Palace to then go and do Chelsea at the bridge and then beat Man United at the Emirates. That's That's got to be pretty frustrating. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it's the, <laughs> it, it's, it, yeah, it's the antithesis of how you're supposed to go about constructing a season or trying to make the champions league you don't go out and beat all the big teams and then throw it away against the you know the easier opposition it's has it always been that way in the past of arsenal for some reason in my mind arsenal have always been a side that struggle against the big teams but clean up the weaker teams um is that true is that how you would see it i think that's fair i think arsenal have always for the last uh maybe 10 10 years is probably harsh the last six or seven years have always been generally pretty good against the crap teams, but they have had the odd spell where, you know, they're a real slump in form for like a month where they can't beat anybody. Yeah. The difference now is they are, they are contesting more in the bigger games. We talked about a few weeks back when they did the, it was quite a while ago now when they played Man City. And there was a lot of talk in media about how, why is Arteta getting away with this? They don't look any different, blah, blah, blah. But the table doesn't lie. And the performances each week don't lie either. Um, rather than just being so easily brushed aside. I mean, they're brushed aside by Liverpool, but they weren't brushed aside by City. They took it to them, and now they've come out and beaten Chelsea and Man United, teams around them. So um, it's a big turnaround. They've still got plenty of work to do, but the signs are there. Yeah, I think, you know, the amount of work um, every every game that we see them is, you know, getting less and less. They're definitely reaching their goal, I think, and the Champions League spot will only further bolster that because then you get a little bit of extra funds and you get, you know, the potential to recruit players of a different level to bring in around these young guys because, you know, the, the starting lineup, you look at the attacking four of Enketia, Saka, Smith-Rowe, uh, Erdogan, like they're young players, some of them homegrown players, and you get one or two experienced heads in there quality players that have been there, done it before, uh, who can lead a dressing room of these kids. And you could actually have um, the next, you know, the next Liverpool or City, potentially. 
Yeah, with yeah, like you said, with plenty of work there. And Kedia is gone, by the way. He's already out the door. He's signed a contract, I think, uh, January. He signed to go. He would be going at the end of the season. Uh, but usually Lacazette would be there in that spot. Um, he's been he's been an excellent leader for the club. He's not quite the quality they probably need up front to bang in goals, but he is yeah. he is an excellent leader. He's great with the kids. <clears throat> We've mentioned this stuff in other weeks, but yeah. Um, so you would be in the market for a striker. If you make the Champions League, Arsenal days. Yeah. To, even if they don't make the Champions League, they have to be. Is there no chance of playing Martinelli through the middle or? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't appear that way. No. 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 It looks like he's been converted into a straight up winger. Um, probably the sort of guy if he had up front would need another striker with him. That's up. That upsets your whole balance. Um, enough about Arsenal. What about Man United? What now? What, what now? next can we talk about? Um, maybe the imposter. Bruno Fernandes. Fernandes, we're going with. Yeah, well, I'm in a very, I'm in a FIFA tinged mood. Derek, Derek just, Ray. Yeah, best pronunciation of any player in the game, personally. Uh, what 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 more is there to say about the just monotony of watching Man United play? You know, I love I love the routine Ronaldo goal now. Like either he's scoring a hat trick to win it by himself, or he's getting like a consolation one that breaks another personal record of his, or it's like another achievement for the Ronaldo boat, but it means nothing for United as a whole. They're just, you know, you always think maybe they're a smoky to get the four just because they are Man United. And it just seems like something they would do, but it's looking more and more unlikely now. And the penalty, oh, don't you just love to see a stutter step go wrong? Don't you? Oh man. I think, I think we say it every time it happens on this pod, but when, as soon as I see that run up, or a little skip as you go to take the pen. When it misses, I just absolutely lose it. It's it's hilarious. It's joy. That that is poetry. It is poetry. Um, I want to see more of it. I'm just going to read out this. I can't remember where this has come from. It came across. I'm sure people have seen it doing the rounds on social media, but it just says it's a picture of Bruno Fernandes, as you are pronouncing it tonight. Um, it says, it's a long time since I've seen a player put so much effort, commitment, and vocal support in during 90 minutes. Complaining, cheating, moaning, diving, feigning <laughs> injury, and trying to gain any advantage by deception. Um, that's <laughs> That may sound harsh, but that is Bruno's game to a T, yeah. which, which pisses me off because I teed off on the Arsenal players the other week for those kind of antics. Um, so I, I do do it to my own team as well, but what... What pisses me off most about it is the guy is an absolute star of a player when he wants to be. Allegedly. I think he's an unreal player. He's excellent, but he just spends so much time concentrating on that other crap that it probably, it would have to take your mind off the job you need to do, wouldn't it? I suppose. I just, I wonder how good you can be if 44% of your goals this season have come against Leeds United. Doesn't really seem like an you know, an outstanding season. <laughs> a guy that's <laughs> a guy that's really hitting the hitting the heights that he should be. No, he is dark. I'm, I'm, it's in jest. He's a good player. He is a good player. Um, he's just in a poor team, and he's in a poor run of form now. And there's just yep. they couldn't wait for the season to finish. I think. Yeah, I met Sunday morning with many an angry May United fan at the fact that that he didn't. Uh, Ronaldo didn't take the penalty. 
this has been an on-running thing for the whole season, hasn't it? Didn't it wasn't at the first game Fernandes tried to take one and he missed as well. Like uh, he's missed, just, yeah, he's missed a few times I think this season. Why wouldn't you just give him to Ronaldo from now on? Look, I can agree with that, but I don't know. Was that what Rangnick said post game about how the the players seem to police their own dressing room in that sense that he doesn't actually pick who takes the pens; they decide amongst themselves. Um, probably. I mean, lots, I think lots of teams would do it kind of depending on who's out there on the park at the time. I don't know how many managers would pick a designated penalty taker. Surely it makes it easier for the group because that kind of thing, we, you see some ugly spats, people fighting over pens. Yeah, maybe. I guess maybe at that level with all the all the egos getting around, it could, but yeah, who knows? Yep. Seen some, uh, some classic Mane Salah disagreements. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Salah Mane, let's get straight into the Merseyside derby. Will it be the last ever Merseyside derby to happen in the top oh. flight of English football? Yes or no? I didn't, I didn't even consider that, actually. Maybe not the last ever, but it could be the last. Oh, it might be the last ever, actually. Because if you speculate, if Everton goes down, you know, they may be in breach of FFP because of the new stadium that they've got in the works and some money that's already been outlaid. Huge wages you know, a side that is going to get pillaged. Damn. I haven't actually considered de- how deeply Everton might be fucked if they're relegated. I'm going to go with yes. We're never going to have this fixture again. We're never in the league. Yeah, ever again. Ever again. Everton will dissolve. That's what I'm thinking. They're going to fold. You think they're going to fold? No, not, not even fold, like immolate. Like they're what just you, totally going to self-destruct and there will be very little remnants of the club left. What do you, what do you mean? I'm not sure what you're trying to say. no of course these guys will play again just um not this you know not next season that's for sure i do think everton are down but i have to hope that i think and we'll get into that as the (laughs) relegation chat goes on yeah um i think i don't know like something doesn't sit (laughs) too right with me um all the liverpool fans i've seen they were cheering for burnley we'll get we'll talk about burnley because that obviously has huge implications for Everton. But I saw lots of Liverpool fans cheering online for Burnley the other night because uh, they want Everton to go down. I just I don't know why it would be that much of a bother for you. It's six points you get every year. Um, they're, they're nothing club, really. Apart from being a local rival, they're, they're nothing compared to Liverpool. So I don't know why they'd be so worried about it. It is, it's the, it is a little... Um, it's a little brother in the shadow rivalry, this one. and It's a real like punch I, down. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But that, you know, that kind of does, I guess, reflect the two teams, doesn't it, in a way? It, it would be most devastating for Divock Origi if Everton went down because then that guy would never score a goal again. It's six goals in nine Merseyside derbies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is with this guy? Does he just play in the big games? Is that it? You put him away for a couple of weeks, bring him back out when you need a, a clutch goal. It feels that way. Um, did you catch any of this game? What did you What did you make of this at the moment? What did you make of this derby? Oh, the derby. Yeah, I thought this game was actually kind of feisty. It might, like, it felt much more passionate or much more uh, important, I suppose, than like Arsenal, Man United, for instance. Not though that they are they're not a geographical rival, but traditional rival. Uh, but that could be because one is playing for the league and one is playing for their 
their lives. So I think that was probably the reason. Yeah. Um, Everton set up like they looked like they were playing for their lives too. Like, oh yeah. But Park, I mean, parked. yeah, like they parked the bus, but they didn't have that kind of, to me, playing for your lives would indicate some sort of desperation going forward or, you know, okay. frantic attack that would, that would like try and get you a goal. But they, you know, they got forward, what, three times this entire game. Like pretty it much. Was, it was pretty poor, pretty pathetic. I know I, you could say, what else can they do? They they try and play, they were ripped apart, but I would rather have tried to play and get ripped apart than just sat there and took a 2-0 anyway that's now put them in the relegation zone. Yeah, like, you know, personally, that's how I feel. And obviously, we'll get to Leeds. Um, but in, in this case, because they conceded so early, it kind of throws out... If you can get to half-time, nil-nil, you get to 60 minutes, nil-nil, the complexion of the game is that maybe Liverpool's getting a little bit nervy. Maybe if you know Everton yeah. can expose them on one of their breaks, it makes them more reluctant to go forward and so on and so forth. So when that, at that point, the game plan's thrown out the window and Lampard has to be more dynamic and he's just not, and he has not shown that, I think, at all through his managerial career. No, he when hasn't. To, to seize upon an opportunity and actually, you know, go after a result, you know, in, in a way that makes sense for the for the fixture. It, it wasn't a good game because Liverpool weren't at their best and Everton didn't want to play football, so. Yeah, I guess the key thing is what it did do is keep that title fight going right down. Yes. I think we all we all want to see That's it good. get down to the last game, don't we? Hell yeah, that'd be fun. It hasn't been, it's been a while since it went to the last game. Uh, I'm trying, I feel like two seasons ago it did. Well, oh, was, with Liverpool and City. When was the year that, yeah, the year that Liverpool had the, the one cleared off the line against City and then that went down to the final game. Mm. But they both had pretty regulation. It was a procession. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I didn't consider um, it. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the, there's a lot of talk about the penalty shout, Anthony Gordon, Joel Matip. Was it Joel Matip? Thoughts here? I feel like we might disagree on this one. I... Uh, in first instance, like watching it, I didn't think it was a penalty because it looks like one of those ones where they kind of brush into each other. The winger goes over too easily, whatever. Footballing and, you know, incident. Footballing incident, yeah. As a former centre-back, I would have been penalised every time I went into the box trying to defend someone if you gave them. Um, but then you look at the replay and it's on the reverse angle and this is kind of what VAR would have seen if they were looking at it. He does seem to be winning the foot race and he seems to be across... I think the the line of the defender who then like throws his arm. It's not a lot, but when you are at full speed, I can see why you would go over, you would become unbalanced. And then you got to ask yourself, is that a foul? Has he, you know, mm. is he obstructed the winger from being able to play at the football? Potentially. Yeah. I think he has. Um, I don't think it it's a penalty. As, I don't think I don't it's as big a controversy as everyone seems to think it is. Um, Everton fans in particular. I, I, you know, it could have really gone either way. I wouldn't have been, I'd been, I would have been more upset if it was given. But interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just, I, I, either it's one of those tricky ones. The decision has to be made either yeah. way. Um, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't think the fact, like, it wasn't a comp- so blatant that we should be jumping up and down crying about how it wasn't given. That's well, all I mean. In saying that, did you see what Lampard sniped after the game? 
Oh, oh you're gonna go. enjoy this. Here if it was go. most if it was most Salah at the other end, it's a penalty. I've played for teams in the top half of the league. You get them. Ah, oh, so is it oh well there we go, yeah. <laughs> Just start it's the Super League it. already. The top clubs always get them, don't they? They do get them. That's the thing. We talked about it last week with yes. the uh the Real Madrid game. Um against Sevilla and the commentator saying it's uh the referee Precisely. has shown very good discipline to not give Real Madrid the penalty there. That kind of thing. And it's like, wow. So you're saying it it is a thing. Of course. Get them. It's being acknowledged more and more. There's this yeah. crazy stat with Liverpool that they haven't conceded a penalty in their last 46 games. Yeah. Which on the balance of things, you know, you can have the best defensive four in the world, but I just feel like such so many variables and so incidental as football, you would give away a penalty somehow. Oh, I think I wouldn't be reading into that one. I think someone made the really good point that I'd love to see how many touches the opposition have inside Liverpool's penalty box. Yeah, try and equate be, it somehow. It would, yeah. it would be very small. And so yeah. then you're looking at percentages and ratios of how many touches inside the opposition's penalty box yeah. per penalty given. And we're getting into real uh, XG type crap. Yeah, yeah I'll do real super niche and I'd, I'm, I'm into this. I'd really be into that. I know you are. There's... um. Here's a more, here's probably a better stat for you then. There's only been 12 bookings this season for simulation in the Prem. Yes. And Everton have been awarded six of them. And so this is the kind of thing that can follow a club around for a season when ah. referees are refereeing them. And yeah, if you think that Gordon is a guy that goes down, you're not, you're going to be, you know, less obliged to give the pen. Yeah, fair point. I, I still see him as the guy who puts corners out for goal kicks, but there you go. <laughs> He's never going to erase that from your mind. So the reason Everton do find themselves in the bottom of, the well, not the very bottom, but in the bottom three, staring down the barrel uh, is because Burnley were able to defeat Wolves. I think they also beat Southampton a few days earlier towards the end of last week. So I have, yeah. Two massive, a big six points for Burnley, which sees them climb up into 17th. Still Everton with a game in hand behind them, but this is massive. And I, I tell you what, I'm pissed because I can't you stand are, You would be. You know you I want Burnley down. Even though they've sacked Dice now, is it not turnover and new leaf for you as well? Oh, it's not enough. They should have got rid of him ages ago. I've had enough. It's too late, Burnley. It's too late. You made your bed. Line it. Go down. Fuck off. I t- Look, I, th- I think the best part of the Burnley... Well, the best part of the Burnley game was the goal they scored, obviously. And it, it's, a, it's a pinpoint, uh, Verkhurst run diagonally in behind the centre-back, in between the full-back. It's just beautiful off-the-shoulder work. The ball is given to him. He picks out Vidra very nicely. And like you said, seven... Well, two wins. They drew with West Ham before that, so it's... Seven points in their last nine available. Absolutely purring are Ben Mees Burnley. Uh, you know, should they have sacked Dyche earlier or should they just be spending more money in this team? Because they, they get money for the Chris Wood transfer, which was, you know, a lot on top of what they paid for Leeds, uh, what they paid to Leeds to get Chris Wood. Um, and then you go out and you actually spend the money properly on Veghorst, a guy that has come in, is scoring goals, assisting an actual real focal point up front. Like, I think he's the reason that Burnley are on such a good run now. And it just, I don't know, I think it plays into that if he actually gave Dyche money to spend and a little bit of room to improve the team, he may have done it. No, nah, I don't think so. I'm the other way. I think I would have just got rid of him earlier. <laughs> they 
How long ago? How many years? Fucking 20 years ago. I don't even know where he was 20 <laughs> Before years ago. Before he even ago, started. Get rid of him. Save the tea lady. A lot of stress down there at Burnley. Um, it's, it's like if you could go back in time, you wouldn't go back and knock off baby Hitler or whatever. You would neuter Sean Dyche's dad. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Get rid of Give him the snip. Um, I think the guy just gave that squad zero confidence. And I think after years and years of a certain style of play, I know they have a changeover of players and stuff, but I think anyone who like knows the game knows what to expect from Sean Dash's Burnley. And over the years, that builds a reputation. I think it just has an effect on players there and they're just, they're just so worn down. They, they probably feel like they can't play football or they don't they're know how to play yeah. football. They're shackled, yeah. They don't have any creative freedom in the game. Uh, because they've been playing this shitty style of park the bus, try and hit a direct long ball to a thug up front kind of thing. Um, and we'll try and, you know, every time our goalkeeper gets the ball, we'll take 40 seconds to kick it. Every time we win a free kick, we'll take another minute. Every time we get a throw in, we'll we'll take forever. We'll walk it all the way up the line till the ref tells us to go back. And then we'll wait another minute and then we'll throw it backwards and pump it long anyway. So oh, just yeah. like... I think I would have got rid of him earlier now. I, you know, there is that little bit, I guess, if I have to look at the positive, if they do stay up, interesting to see what they could do next year if they, they decide to play a bit of football and change their style a bit. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting managerial appointment. Who takes over Burnley? You, they can't go down, you know, the Fulham, the Watford route where they go and get, you know, some mid-Italian uh, or Spanish or Portuguese or... So, you know, some random manager that the the casual football fan has never heard of. You would love to see them go and try and get like a Graham Potter type and like give him three to five years. Here's some money. Keep us in the Premier League. You know, that guy's probably not been me, but Burnley, Burnley could be exciting, I think. Yeah. And which would be, how would that be? The greatest makeover in football history. You make Burnley into like tick attacker oppressors. We'll see. We'll see. We can uh, we'll move it on then. We you can talk about your boys if you like because nil all draw this morning. Ugh. The leads away to Palace. It sounds like it was an absolute stinker. Oh man, um, it was enthralling. Is it a valuable point or is it not enough? Or uh, Leeds look like they're just doing enough at the moment. It, look, first and foremost, a game like this makes it extraordinarily hard to wake up at four thirty for. Absolutely. It, it does not give me any confidence to ever do that again with Leeds United. I don't know if it's just, is Jesse Marsh doing this kind of thing to gain the very valuable point away at Crystal Palace, who are a good team, who are probably better than they, you know, than the table reads. They're probably a better I, side I than 14th. So. Yeah. Um, they've got their, goals. yeah, they've got their problems. Like 11 times they've been held scoreless this season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you say that in spite of Zaha and Elisi and, you know, good attacking players. Um, you wonder how they had, a pl- oh, dude, they had a plethora of chances in this game right towards the end as well. It was just Melia onto, like, Crystal Palace's front five for a while there. Yeah. And that was because Leeds United have no interest in playing football anymore. They're just playing a zonal 4-5-1, sitting nine in behind the ball. You know, sometimes 11, like... The- how deep Jack Harrison and Rafinha are at the moment is just mind-boggling. Like you got these two great attacking threats, and they are 
they're just stuck inside midfield for 80 minutes of the game. Calvin Phillips is back, but he looked lost for 90 minutes. And the last thing that you want is for, you know, KP's performances to diminish now that Bielsa has gone, you know, it could be that thing. Only one guy can get it out of him. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but yeah, in the, in the long run, is it a valuable point? Yes, but it could be two points, not enough. And you would say Palace in a run of form and they haven't won in three, Leeds should have gone after this and really should have been hunting for three points. Yeah, potentially. They did wipe the floor with Arsenal a week or so ago, two weeks ago, 3-0. So mm. there was that to be wary of. Um, I think, I don't know, I guess... It's hard for Leeds fans, I guess, watching this a long way from the Bielsa style of football. Uh, the goals seem to have dried up, but they also have dried up at the other end as well. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it. Just it's like no, it's that classic equation. It's like style or results. What do you want? Yeah, exactly. So you know, what do you want? <laughs> I'll, uh, probably style because I watch football for entertainment. But like, I can understand. If you are born and bred Leeds United, you go to the games. The last thing you want to do is go down, you know, because this is this is something that you live. <laughs> so yeah. I can under, I can understand that. But it just you put him in a if you're a, a supporter of Marsh because the the fan base at the moment is divided straight down the middle. Basically, you're either yeah. pro Bielsa, pro Marsh, and if you're pro Marsh, you're in this great position right now because you can say we've got 11 points out of the last 15. We've been dog shit, but you know, we are accumulating points and we would be in a much worse position without them. Just look how well Burnley are doing. Um, and so you can say pro Marsh. Okay. Uh, if we go down still, it's because of Bielsa earlier in the season, not getting enough points. Marsh did well. And if he stays up, you can say, okay, this is it. This is the new daddy. This is the new style of football. This is what we can be expected to watch. And in that sense, we've sold something from what we came up into the Premier League to do. We came up to like try and take it to the establishment, which is probably a naive. Maybe Bielsa's leads were naive after all. That is that is um, a Bielsa thing. That's fine. A naive outlook, the thing that you can do it in your own way and you don't have to conform to the Mick franchises around you. I, I don't think it's naive in, it, in any way, though. I think he knows. Uh, I think that it could uh, be done. Like you're very self, you have to be in that situation like Bielsa was. You have to be very self aware. And I, I think I don't think he'd be under any illusions of the risks of doing what he does. So I don't mm. think there's any naivety there. It just um, you know, can't always work for so long. But he's happy. He's happy to still go about it and do it his way. Yeah, exactly. Which is just like that's huge, huge moral fortitude to be able to do that in the face of criticism and absolutely poor performance and stuff. Um, but yeah, the big test for Marshall will be the next three. It's uh, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea. So this could, it maybe not decide Leeds a season because you could probably take zero points from those three, beat Brighton, beat Brentford and stay up. But Leeds are in a tricky spot, definitely. We'll move on in a sec, but just quickly, straight up, yes or no, do Leeds stay up? No. You think Leeds go down? I actually, yeah, I would look at the last run. I think Everton maybe do have a surprising result in them. They win their game in hand. They've got a surprising one. I don't know if we get zero points from those big three games coming up. That's tough to play two cup finals like that to stay up. That's real tough. You heard it here first. Leeds in the championship next season. How about that? There was looking uh, forward to it. 
there was one other game I had note of, but I haven't really included it because you you and I, I don't think either of us saw any of this one, but Chelsea did beat West Ham. It's kind of a big result in terms of the table, I guess. Um, but yeah, that pretty much all but ends any kind of hope West Ham, slim hope West Ham had of uh, Champions League football, if they did have any. Probably. Yeah, it probably does. But, you know, months ago, I think you could see they didn't really have a have a chance. No one wanted it for a while. And now we're at the yeah. sticky end. A couple of teams have emerged as saying, yes, yes, let's have this Champions League spot. Just wanted to add uh, Jorginho's missed penalty into the um, anti-stutter step vindication role this oh, week. Sure, do it. Another one. I haven't seen it, so I, I didn't include it because I wasn't sure if he did do his... A uh, little hop thing or his oh, stutter yes, or anything like that. And he did. It's worse than Fenerbahce. Oh, excellent. Eat it. Won that one back. That's fun to watch. Um, I just had a little question for you as well on this game. Yeah, go on. Uh, David Moyes has never won at Stanford Bridge in 17 attempts. Do you think that is pure coincidence or is this a mentality thing? Can he just not... Hack it. Pure coincidence. You would say so. 17 times, that's a lot. He's never done it. I'd argue he every one of those 17 times, he's had a worse, much worse squad than Chelsea. Maybe. I think a couple of times, one of them would have been for Man United. There would have been a couple of Man United ones in there. I still think probably had a worse, worse squad at the time. Potentially, potentially. Do you have any, do you have any Sunday League venues around South Australia that you dread going to? Uh, I mean, I have places I hate going to because I hate the team, but not like, you know, which will <laughs> rename, remain nameless on this. <laughs> yeah, no, no but, slander. Uh, yeah, no, nah, just uh, no actual grounds. Although, uh, I think that there'll be no, no Ingle Farm people would be upset with me saying it, but Ingle Farm's pitch is uh, one of those weird ones where there's one corner, each corner is lower than the other. So right. there's one corner at the far end on the far side that's it's lower than all the other three. So everything kind of slopes towards that. Uh, that's that's not, not the funnest place to play, but um, not a bad club. They're all right. It's just um, a degree of difficulty. It's like tilting yeah. uh, the pinball machine. It makes it. Yeah. Know. Hey, we'll jump across and talk a, a bit of Spanish football because there was a Copa del Rey final over the weekend and it didn't... It, uh, feature any of the teams that you would expect it to feature. It featured Real Betis and Valencia. Real Betis winning 5-4 on penalties after a one-all draw. And if I can just read you out this wonderful tweet that came across our desk this morning from at Alexandra Johnson on Twitter. Uh, last time Real Betis won Copa del Rey, five-year-old Juan Miranda travelled to Madrid to see the final a final in which 23-year-old Jacqueline won with Betis. Today, 22-year-old Miranda scored the winning penalty so that the 40-year-old Betis captain, Jacqueline, could lift the trophy. Brilliant story. Um, the game also features uh, former Arsenal player Hector Bellerin, who said he went to Betis to win trophies. I'm not sure that's entirely why he went to a club like Betis, but there you have it. Was he wrong, though, Sam? Yeah. He's no, he's been vindicated in the end. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you, you know, you said in the preamble, 
you wouldn't expect either of these clubs to be in the final. I don't know. If you watched a bit of La Liga this season, Betis have done well. And like, they're yeah, still Yeah, they've done competing. well. But uh, my point was more, you always expect it to be a athletic one, two of at least three of Atletico, Real Madrid and Barca. Mm, who, you know, who do occupy, I suppose, the top three spots. Yeah, in, that's, that's all I mean. Or the top three of the top four in the Liga. Um. Yeah. Good game. By the look of it, you never let me reach the chance of talking about Real Betis's team and Hit why me. they're so high up in the La Liga table. But it's because they've got good players. They signed William Carvalho a few years ago from Sporting Lisbon, who was touted to be one of the big new kind of uh, another like the number six kind of guy, the Angolo Kante type player, holding midfielder. Um, he's excellent on the ball. He's just never made that step to a a bigger club, if you will. Not saying Real Betis aren't a big club. They're they're massive fan base, but, you know, not the your Super League clubs. Um, they've also got Mark Bartra at the back, the former Barcelona and Borussia Dortmund defender. Obviously, Hector Bellerin is back there. Mexican goalkeeper Claudio Bravo. This is a good team. Nabil Fekir was another one of those players. Mm. He was kind of being touted by, uh, scouted by Liverpool and Arsenal for a while. Was a new number 10 to come in. He found his way to Betis and he's been playing excellent there. Um, striker Borja Iglesias bangs in goals. They've got a good team. They've still got their 40-year-old uh, captain who came off the bench, um, Jacqueline. I, I feel like he's been around forever because I just remember seeing him on FIFA back in the day years ago. And he's had like a 20-year career. So incredible. That is an incredible, like, it's it's like a Hollywood story in in a way. Imagine like... The the young uh, the young footballer is inspired by Jacqueline and that's why he wants to and he goes through all this personal drama. It's it's goal, yeah. isn't it? This is almost like goal. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. But, it, but, uh, but better. This is a very FIFA tinged team, isn't it? Because Fakir and Cavalio Beast. Moreno, I think, used to play for Liverpool, Canales, ex Real Madrid. Yeah, this that's is a good a, side, man. It's a different different Moreno. That's a young Oh, is it? Different Moreno, yeah. They've also have um Christian Teo, who people might remember from, he was at Barcelona for a while. Oh, yes. Um, and Another we, FIFA gem. I don't know if anyone else would know him, but William Jose is the Brazilian striker that uh, was playing real well for Real Sociedad, a big part of their kind of top half runs um, until Alexander Isak came along. But there you go. That's the Betis team. They, uh, yeah, they've won a trophy in Spain. Yep. Bellerin said it. He's the new soothsayer. Ask him what the lot of numbers are. Um, I guess the only final thing to add on Spain, I guess Real Madrid are going to win the, they're going to win the league. Uh, if they have they wrapped it up now that Barcelona lost it. Either way, Barcelona lost again. They lost again at home. Two home losses in a row. Last week to Cadiz one 0 and this week to uh, Rayo Vallecano. They can't seem to score all of a sudden. Um, you just love to see it, but you don't love to see it. I don't know. <laughs> A month ago, I was like praising them from the absolute rooftops. And it's funny how quickly, uh, you know, you can dip in form like this and sort of lose any kind of momentum or sheen that you had. You know, Xavi one month is an absolute genius. The next month, you, you know, wondering, is he going to stay in the job? Probably no one's wondering that. But this kind of dip in form, not really what you want to be heading towards the end of the season where, you know, it looked like they could have finished second comfortably. Now they're going to make a meal of it. They're out of all the competitions. It's probably disappointing in the end for them. Yeah, 100%. We were talking about this off air before, and I was just kind of saying how, like, I, you know, we say, I say I love to see it, but Barcelona is still one of those sides where kind of 
if ever I do tune in and watch a Barcelona game, I generally enjoy it. And I generally enjoy watching them play because uh, I just, I guess I just love seeing the young players that come through and just seeing how exciting they are. Like you've got your Serginho Dest at right back. You've got uh, those midfielders, Pedri and Gavi. They're incredible. These young players are just so exciting on the ball. Frankie de Jong's excellent to watch. Um, Ferran Torres, who they managed to get back, he's excellent. Uh, but just, I think where the laughs come from when you love to see them lose is, I guess that's more aimed at the kind of the boardroom, isn't it? The ownership, the Super League wanting assholes at the top. <laughs> just to put it bluntly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a team that used to uh, give their sponsorship away to for free to charities and stuff like that. And now they're signing mega rich deals with Spotify and stuff. So they, they, they've lost their way and it does feed into it. But at the same time, it's, it's that double jeopardy. It's the schadenfreude. It's the, you want to see these great football teams still collapse in a huge heap every so often. Just, just so you know that they can be leveled down. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll just keep it moving because we're wary of time now. But uh, Chiro Mobile scored on the weekend for Lazio in their 2-1 loss to Milan. Uh, this Another stat that came across our desk today. A lot's coming across our desk, isn't there? Boy, we're busy boy. on we're a Tuesday busy. morning. We're, we're so Fuck busy. Um, Chiro, Chiro Mobile becomes the fourth player in Europe's top five leagues to score more than 25 goals in a single season at least three times since the start of 2016-17. Um, so on the surface, that's a very American sport-sounding stat where you're like, <laughs> you know... It's the fifth time between the months of April and June on a Tuesday night between the 50th and 70th minute that so-and-so has kicked it with his left foot kind of shit. (laughs) But when you look at the names here, Lewandowski, Messi and Ronaldo are the only others to have scored 25 goals in a single season at least three times in the last six years. You add Immobile's name to that list of players. That's pretty impressive. You do. I think it is. I think it's massively impressive because you can even, like you said, it's a kind of convoluted stat. So I was like, okay, let's let's try and find one that is a little bit more plain speaking. Sure. Mobile's last three seasons in Serie A has returned 36, 20, and 25 goals, respectively. Incredible. It equals, it equals 81 top division league goals in three years. He yeah. may be a worthy name among Europe's elite strikers. Oh, I think he has been for a while, especially if you're just going on club form. Um, he's never quite been able to replicate it with Italy somehow. I don't really know why, because uh, it's not like he doesn't get chances for Italy. He just doesn't bury them the same way. When he's in a Lazio shirt, this guy is unstoppable. Had that spell at Dortmund where it didn't quite work. He was meant to be the guy replacing Lewandowski, and it mm. never quite worked out. He scored the odd goal, but not like this. Um Returned to Italy, ended up at Lazio, and he's just been taking the pierce ever since. He has. Was that that Dorman season where he came off the bench quite often and scored goals? Uh, you're thinking of Paco Alcacer. I am too, he, yes. He came off the bench a lot and scored a lot of goals as a super sub, so they just kept leaving him on the bench. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Um, do you think um, Chiro's exploits are fueled by his general underappreciation? Oh, you think there's a bit of a... Uh... He's well, got a bit of a chip on his shoulder there. A little bit, I would say. Uh, you know, he obviously he did win the Euro with Italy, um, so he does have a, a really top trophy to his name as well. 
I don't know. He could be in this context. He could be in this conversation more often, perhaps. Yeah, I think I think he's definitely underappreciated. Um, absolute gun. Good to see him get the goals. Good to see him get the recognition. Uh, more people should give it to him. If you're listening, that was send him mobile some recognition. Yeah, tweet him right now, or send <laughs> him, him a postcard from Italy. Use uh, no, Elon Musk's Italy. Twitter and uh, get at him at Tua Mobile. On, What's it. really exciting is that in 10 years' time, we may see Immobile uh, play in the A-League. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Imagine. It's, got, it's got MLS written all over him. Hey, uh, I don't know if you wanted to add anything else. I think uh, just our final points of the night were that uh, PSG won the league and so did Bayern. Uh, it was always kind of going to happen, and it's happened. Yeah, didn't modern football throw up some more surprising finales for us? Uh, Bayern Munich doing it in style in the Der Classica. Yep. Did you catch any of the game or foregone conclusion? I uh, didn't. Like, oh, whatever. Very, very busy weekend. So didn't see a heap of football, but um, probably wouldn't have tuned into this anyway to see Bayern win the league. would have sucked. No. So it's, it's expected. Uh, PSG routing league. Uh, I mean, you said it from the beginning. I was more optimistic thinking maybe Marseille or someone could jump in, but no. Yeah, I, I saw a bunch of crap this morning from like, I guess I'm just in that old man yells at cloud phase, but just sometimes I just don't understand the internet. Whereas like there was all these videos of like, like with all these those stupid hand in the air emojis and like the 100 emoji and just saying like, oh, Messi and PSG celebrate League One in style. And it was just them like singing a song and they had like, bottles of champagne. So I was like, this is pretty regulation for when teams win stuff. Why are we making a massive deal about it? It's because everyone, all like, oh, the kids love PSG, don't they? They love it. Yeah, it does. It, it kind of looked like dads over 35s, uh, Div 2 reserves getting up. I don't know. that. Like, I think they would have had more joy in their faces than the PSG guys. This looked very, to the contract, sick. I got my league bonus. Awesome. I don't have to really play football now for the rest of the season. Yeah, it looks pretty hollow. Pochettino probably, you know, could you win the league and just be sacked straight away? It could happen. Yeah. It's it's a very Chelsea thing to do. And yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Um, on top of on top of these surprising results, Red Bull franchise Austria won their ninth consecutive title. Which is just but isn't it just a glorious thing for football when franchises yeah. decide to spread themselves across the globe? Modern football franchises start winning. How long until McDonald's start buying football clubs? And this is the thing: know. Red Bull may as well be McDonald's or Coca Cola. But it's, it's all the same, isn't it? It's franchised, confectioner drinks, yeah. all that crap. Yeah. All right, that's probably a good spot to leave it. We've gone on a bit. Uh, we'll start ranting about how much we hate the world if we go on any longer. Yeah, um, don't ask us. Thanks for tuning in. Get around us on all the socials. There's obviously Champions League this week to get around. Is there? Is the Champions League this week? There is Champions League this week, Sammy. Yeah, we talked about it last week on the pod. That's why we didn't today. Um, semi-finals. Well, by the time people listen to this, uh, Benzema would have scored six against Man City, which would be very exciting. Um, thanks for tuning in. Spotify, Apple, nightshiftfootball.com. Catch ya.